0: Great to see and hear everyone. The song before our scripture, reading 273. 273. Each day I'll do a golden deed by helping the Lord. and strive to help some troubled soul Done, where there will be no setting sun.
1: Now I'll be reading from
0: Psalms chapter 106, verses six through ten. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not know, understand. Your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless he saved them for the name's sake that he may make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. So it led through the depths as though through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of he him who hated them, and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. Before our prayer, we'll sing number 444, before our opening prayer, 444. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in, and then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above. And just a little talk with Jesus made me whole Have a little talk with Jesus Tell him all about our troubles Hear our faintest cry Answer by and by Feel a little prayerful yearning Hard unto heaven is turning Find a little talk with Jesus makes it right Sometimes my past seems drear without a ray of cheer. And then a cloud of doubt will have the light of day. The mist of sin may rise and hide the starry skies. But just a little talk with Jesus clears the way. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell them all about our struggles, hear our faintest cry,
2: answer by and by.
0: Feel a little prayerful yearning, heart unto heaven is turning, find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. I may have doubts and fears, my eyes be filled with tears. But Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. I go to him in prayer. He knows my every care. And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. Hear our faintest cry. Answer by and by, feel a little prayer for yearning, heart unto heaven is turning, find a little talk with Jesus makes it right.
2: Let us pray. Our God and our Heavenly Father, holy and righteous is your name in all of heaven and earth and all of your creation. We humbly bow in your presence at this time. We come to thank you, Father, for every blessing of life that you give us. We're thankful that you're a loving and merciful God and bless us with our every need. We come to you, Father, praying for the forgiveness of our sins. We strive daily to be faithful, but we so often fail. Please forgive us, Father, and help us always to be forgiving to one another. We're thankful that we can be here tonight to study your word and to learn more of your will. Pray that we will gain the spiritual strength that we need from your word to Be able to overcome the trials of the coming days. We know they'll be there. We know that there are powers out in the world that are out to destroy us. And, Father, we depend on you and you alone to help us to avoid these situations. We want to continue to pray for all of our sick and shut-in. We're thankful for those who've improved, and we ask your continued blessings upon those who are in need of your healing. We know we have doctors and nurses who attend to our needs, but, Father, we know that you are the true healer, and we depend upon you for all our spiritual and physical needs. Please, please be with us tonight, and help us to study your word, and help us to worship you we trust in spirit and in truth. And, Father, we want to... Remember the family of Marvin Hope. We we're gonna miss him here and we know his family needs you. We just pray that you would be with them and strengthen them through this trying time. And we just pray that you'd watch over us and bless us and keep us and help us always to be watchful and avoid those things that will hinder us from serving you faithfully. We thank you most of all for Jesus, and it's in his holy name we pray. Amen. If you
0: would like to mark your songbook, song invitation would be number 578, 578. And the song before our sermon would be 523, 523. If you would, please stand. I'd like to stay here longer than man's allotted days And watch the fleeting changes of life's uneven ways But if my Savior calls me to that sweet home on high I'll live with Him forever in glory by and by Oh yes, I'll live in glory by and by I'll tell and sing love stories there on high, there with my dear Redeemer, Or to die, oh yes, i living live in glory, by and by. I want to be of service along this pilgrim way, and lead the lost to Jesus, as fervently I pray, As day by day I travel, I'll keep him ever nigh And live with him forever in glory by and by Oh yes, I'll live in glory By and by I'll tell and sing love story there on high there with my dear Redeemer I know is nearing, by faith I look away to yonder home supernal, the land of endless day. I'll cling to him forever, and look beyond the sky, and live with him forever, in glory by and by, oh yes I'll live in glory, by and by. Tell and sing love story, there on high, there with my dear Redeemer, no more to die. Oh yes, I'll live in glory, by and by. Please be seated.
3: I was going to tell you that I was excited to hear that our invitation song is Trust and Obey. So what our lesson theme is going to be tonight. I'm asking you to uh, think about the topic of faith, and you see before you a woman uh, who's older, gathering sticks, and an older gentleman behind her. That's going to weave into our story tonight. It's actually an Old Testament story, so some of you may already have an idea what that is, but we'll introduce that in just a few moments. In the meantime, I'd ask you to turn to Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. Dennis appreciated you mentioning the Holt family. They do need a lot of prayer. Um, they've got their hands full with Margie. Margie's having a hard time comprehending uh, what's going on. So she's asking for Marvin, and um, where is Marvin? And so that's difficult for the girls, and um, just, just keep Lisa and Susan in prayer. I've been able to talk with both of them, and and reassure them that that we'll be here to help them and do what we can for them. And as things develop, I'll be sure and let the congregation know. Thank you to each of you who have been involved in some way with the family or or visited, um, reassured, prayed, encouraged, spent time. But thank you. I know there's just nothing quite like a person physically being there and helping in a time of need and so thank you to each of you, and you know who you are, who've been involved in helping in this difficult time for the family. In Luke 4 and verse 16, we see Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. At the, at the top of the chapter in Luke 4, we see uh, Jesus who has gone through uh, his temptation. So he's survived that very difficult time of the temptation in the wilderness. Now he's in Nazareth, which is his hometown. And in verse 16, if you want to read with me, um, Luke gives us an account of Jesus going back to a lot of people he grew up with. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Now, this is uh, from Isaiah chapter 61, and he is reading a fulfillment of prophecy about himself. So let this sink in for a minute. This is the uh, Messiah who is reading about Messiah. All right. He's reading about himself. This is first person. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight of the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I don't know if Anybody really understood what was going on in the synagogue that day? But there were a lot of people going, yeah, this is Jesus. We remember him. He's the carpenter's son and, you know, the, the son of Mary and Joseph. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. They said, is not this Joseph's son? So, first of all, we've kind of got the idea that everybody was fixed on him. This was a hometown boy. They knew Jesus, right? We know Jesus. We remember him growing. He was a good boy. He always minded his mom and daddy. Well behaved, very polite. It says that all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that came from his lips. So, so far, things are going really well. And it seems that Jesus had a good response from his hometown. But then, in verse 23, the tone of the meeting changes a little bit in the synagogue because he says... Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician heal yourself. Physician heal yourself. And you're like, why did that take that turn? Why did Jesus mention physician heal yourself? Well, you see, he had come from Capernaum. And... What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. So basically what he's saying, I believe, in context, Jesus is reading their minds and their hearts. And he knows what they're thinking. Jesus, if you really have the ability to heal people, if if you are the great physician and you can cure people and do these miraculous things, prove it to us. Just do something right now. Perform a miracle. Perform something in front of us and prove that you really are Messiah. If you are the great healer, as has been reported, show us some miracles so that we may believe. Well, so they expected Jesus to perform a miracle. Maybe maybe they expected Jesus to say, well... Uh, bring me somebody, someone who's blind, bring, bring me a mute, bring me somebody demon-possessed. We'll take care of this right now, and I'll prove it in the synagogue that I am indeed the Messiah that I just read about in Isaiah, right? That's reasonable, but he didn't say that. He continues, verse 24, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land. Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. You may recall that recently we heard that lesson from uh, our, our guest speaker, and uh, he, he talked to us about naming the leper. Here's the key. Both people mentioned that Jesus healed weren't in the region. Both people that Jesus mentioned that were healed were not even Jews. They were Gentiles. As Jesus said, you know what? There were a lot of lepers back then. But there was not a Jewish leper healed at that time in the days of Elijah. There were widows who were needing help, but not a Jewish woman was helped in this severe drought, only a Gentile woman. Why? You see, that's where we're going to go with our lesson tonight. They understood what he was saying is these Gentile people that received help from the Lord showed more faith than you've shown today because the Messiah is in your presence, and you're wanting me to prove that I'm Messiah. Where is your faith? Well, now he's really insulted them. (laughs) He's telling his own Jewish people from his own hometown, you don't have enough faith to believe that I'm Messiah. Were they really angry? Were they really that livid and, and filled with rage? It says here from uh, BibleRef.com, his childhood neighbor struggled to accept that he could really be the anointed one of Isaiah's prophecy in Luke 4, 16 through 22. Jesus is pointing out that when God's people stubbornly refuse belief, God may send his messengers to those outside of Israel. By the way, does this reminiscent of what Peter and Paul did when the Jews refused to believe? Yes, it's precisely what happened. They went to the Gentiles. They shook the dust off their feet. They became incensed and angry at the thought of God going to the Gentiles instead. So the first example is that of Elijah. During a severe drought, God sent Elijah outside of Israel to perform miracles. 1 Kings 17, by the way, y'all go ahead and flip over there. In your Bibles, in the Old Testament, 1 Kings 17, we'll be going there in just a moment. Now, did they really get what Jesus was saying? Oh, yes. They were highly insulted in the fact that he confronted them and said, You lack the faith necessary to save yourselves. You're wanting me to prove these miracles when I am, in fact, Messiah. Verse 28. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. They rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But Jesus passed through the crowd and went on his way. I think in verse 30 it's probably implied that he used some sort of miraculous power or ability either to be unseen to them or they were unable to grasp him physically. But they were going to grab him and literally throw him off a cliff and kill him. They were that angry. When they were told, your faith doesn't merit healing here, you lack faith. But yet faith occurred in non-Jews, and in the days of Elijah, he gave two examples of non-Jews being healed. So what I want to do tonight, I want to just visit that story In 1 Kings 17, and let's talk a little about what happened and why Jesus would use this story. So it's kind of interesting that Jesus went from hometown hero to a villain in just a couple of sentences, right? They went from admiring him, thinking, oh, how wonderful this presentation is and how delightful these words are, to wanting to kill the man. And so let's see why Jesus made them angry. 1 Kings 17. I'm going to turn over there and give you a minute to turn to 1 Kings 17 as well. And I want to give a little historical background. If you'll actually back up to chapter 16, go down to the end of your chapter. This is about around 29. 1 Kings 16, verse 29 This is the period of time where you have the good kings, bad kings, good kings, bad kings, more bad kings than good kings. Well, here comes one that really was the ultimate evil king. Y'all know who he was, right? Ahab. And he didn't do himself any favors by marrying Jezebel, right? You know any ladies named Jezebel, by the way? Evil, evil, evil. Wicked. It says here that, um, let's look at verse 30. Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took for his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. He made an Asherah pole as well. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Wow, he's a wicked guy. So, what does God do? Elijah comes along in the next chapter, in the beginning of chapter 17. And Elijah the Tishbite, he basically says to Ahab, there's going to be a drought he says, neither, this is in verse 1, do nor rain these years except by my word. I'm going to tell God, God, I want you to withhold rain because of the wickedness of Ahab and Jezebel. No rain. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook of Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. I'm like, Wow. He's made an enemy out of the king and the queen because of their wickedness. He's told them there's going to be a drought, but he's running from them. Do you know why? Just a little trivial question. You see, Jezebel has decided that she's going to kill all of God's prophets and the prophets of of Baal and various pagan gods. She's going to create banquet halls for them and feast halls, but the rest of them are hiding out in caves for their lives. Elijah, we're told, actually sheltered some of these in groups of 50 in caves. He's just trying to keep the prophets of God alive, and he's running for his own life himself, but God is providing for Elijah because ravens, imagine being fed by ravens. Here comes supper, you know, here come the ravens in with bread, right? That's amazing. And meat, He said, you're going to drink from this brook, and I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. Just a a little side note. When things are going difficult in our life, maybe this story will be reassuring to us to realize that God can use supernatural events around us to take care of our needs. Amen? When you're having a hard time and you think that there's no solution, remember how God fed Elijah when there was a drought. Well, the Bible tells us that eventually this this brook dried up in verse 7. So then entered the picture the widow of Zarephath. All right, the widow of Zarephath. So let's go to the next slide. Ah, there she is. She's gathering sticks. And Elijah shows up. Now he's in a pagan land, no longer Jews, but these are different people. And so I want to spend just a little time... Uh, giving you a background story. So we've seen Ahab, Jezebel, taking God's people down a wicked path. We have seen uh, Elijah, who had a severe drought and was fed by the ravens. We see the widow of Zarephath, uh, who's gathering sticks, in verse 8. So uh, the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. And dwell there, behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. A couple of things we need to know about this widow. She's from a city called Zarephath. And Zarephath was known to be an area where they did smelting. Smelting is where you have the large furnaces and iron ore, and the iron is burned down, and they would make weapons or iron tools. It's a smelting process. Uh, So Zarephath means smelting shop. Uh, a workshop for the refining and smelting of metals. Uh, it's a Phoenician town, now Surafend. So if you were to go to the map and look between Tyre and Sidon, uh, you would see Surafend. It's about a mile from the coast, midway on the road between Tyre and Sidon. So let me see if I can point these out. The bottom red rectangle is Jerusalem. you probably recognize that by the the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee, right? Then the next rectangle up a little bit to your left is called Tyre. That's on the coast. Right above Tyre is Sidon. If you were to look between those two, that would be Zarephath. And that's, if you'll notice carefully, you'll see the little um, blob of land that is Israel. Now that uh, he has gone north, we see... That Elijah is no longer in the country of the Jews, but in the Sidonians, right? And so he's in, he's in basically a, a different land, a different country Lebanon, near Syria. Another thing that's interesting if you were to travel between Tyre and Sidon and head in a, in, in a kind of a north, northeast direction, you would actually come to the cedars of Lebanon, which you hear mentioned quite a bit in the Bible. The next slide shows an actual seaport town very close to where that city would be, and it's now called Serafand, Serafand. So this is a real place, real geographical location where Elijah sojourned uh, during a severe drought. Now, I will mention that this drought wasn't in just Israel. It was in the surrounding areas as well, a drought that lasted three years. So here's the question tonight. Why had Jesus mentioned a Gentile widow during his brief talk at the synagogue? Why did Jesus risk making his hometown people so angry by mentioning that God provided for and cared for this Gentile widow? Well, we're going to learn that he's asking them, have a little faith. Let me give you an example of faith. All right, the context is, here you have a woman in a pagan environment. She's suffering from a severe drought, right? And here comes Elijah. She knows nothing about him. But let's read the story, beginning in verse 8. The word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon. And dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Now, this is interesting. Maybe she was sleeping, and in the middle of her night's rest, she has a dream. I don't know. God says to her, I'm sending a man named Elijah. He will greet you shortly. Feed him. She wakes up. She's like, what was that? That was strange. Did an angel come? We don't know. But the Lord says to Elijah, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Don't know how he did it. Don't know how he communicated. But she has been duly notified by God. He arose. He went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. Well, that's okay. There's plenty of water right now. There's enough water. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Er, Problem. Bread? You want bread? Are you not aware that there's a severe drought that's been going on? We can't even grow crops. Bread is so scarce. She said, As the Lord your God lives. How did she know he had a God? Because he's spoken to her already. As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. (laughs) I'm like, wow, that's an abysmal report. Elijah, you want my bread? I was going to prepare a little bit of bread. See the sticks I've gathered? We're going to cook it, eat it, and then we'll just die. But if you want to eat it and die with us, I guess you're welcome, right? Man, she had nothing to live for. She had no hope. Why would she risk dying sooner by feeding Elijah? There's no answer unless she had a little, you know, right? She had a little, thank you. I knew y'all get it. She had a little faith. So when you're having a hard time and you're struggling and you're about ready to give up and all hope is lost, have a little faith. Thank you, Sean. Have a little faith. Amen, church? This is a biblical concept, right? One we should not forget. When we're having a hard time, maybe even if we're threatened with the idea of death, have a little faith. There's a good chance that God has a plan that makes no sense at all to us, but it's His plan and it will work and it will sustain us. You see, Elijah's request made no sense whatsoever, but she was being blessed by Elijah's, or being blessed by the Lord because she was obedient. Now let's read and see what she does. Now remember, Elijah made this request. She was going her way to get water, but he said, I'd like some bread too. She said, well, we were going to fix a little bread and then die. Verse 13, Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it. Bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. I don't know if she even comprehended what he was saying, but I know this. I know that when she poured out the flour, and she poured out the oil, and she set it down and looked inside, there was more. Hmm. Strange. And the next day when she poured out the flour and she poured out the oil and she looked inside, there was more. And she said, Hmm. Isn't that interesting? That must be Elijah's God. I fed the prophet His God instructed, I don't know his God. I know nothing about his God, but I obeyed his God. And now I have oil and flour, and I've lived two more days. And then the first week goes by. The first month goes by. Six months go by. And she has not yet run out of oil or flour. The Bible says in verse 15, "She went and did as Elijah said, she and her, she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah." Now at this point, I know that she realizes she's been blessed. But she's still unsure about this God. She doesn't really know. But you see, something really interesting happens to this woman. It says in verse 17 that the son of this young woman became ill. His illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. She said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. She's angry now. She's angry because Elijah let her son die. How can I believe in your God, Elijah? Yes, he performed a miracle with with flour and oil, but now my son is dead. Is that how your God thanks me for being hospitable to you? She was angry. And can I blame her? No. He said to her, give me your son. He took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. He cried to the Lord, O oh Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? And then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O oh Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And The Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house, delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. Was she in faith crisis when Elijah first showed up? Yes, she shared with him a little bit of flour and a little oil, thinking they would die. But she survived. But now she was in super crisis when her son died. And what I love about this story, because she had been obedient to God, because she had had a little faith, Elijah and God again bless her life by presenting her son alive. You see, even though the initial request made no sense, because of a little faith, her son lived again. I love verse 24, and that'll be our closing verse tonight. The woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. You see, this woman's faith, even though she was a pagan, she knew nothing about Elijah's God. She was obedient to the word of the Lord. Jesus, the Messiah, used her as an example in his own town of Nazareth to show a person of faith and the benefits. Church, I'm just pleading with you tonight. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing, whatever struggles you may have, have a little faith. Look how this woman benefited by being obedient to God, a God she didn't understand, a God she didn't know, a God who asked her to do something that made no sense whatsoever. But yet a little faith reaped such great benefits in her life. So if you're struggling with faith tonight, we're going to ask you, whatever you're facing, trust and obey. Obey. Show that faith. Walk forward knowing God is aware of your needs even before you ask, and God has promised that whatever circumstances you faith, he will provide. The invitation is yours. We ask you to come if you need to. Let's stand and sing together.
0: sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with We never can prove The delights of his love and obey. If you weren't able to make it this morning and partake of the Lord's Supper, you can make your way back and you'll be served. Um, also, there's an announcement. Um, if any ladies are interested in visiting or helping with baby showers, please meet after services in the fellowship hall. Um, our last song, if you would grab a songbook. It's not going to be on the screen. It's going to be 741. I asked a few people this morning if they've seen it here before, and they didn't think they had, so <laughs> we're going to try to learn one. It's a, it's a quick, easy one. Um, the first and second lines, that you sing it through, and then you repeat it. And then the third and fourth, you sing it through, and then you repeat it. And then the fourth and fifth, you sing it through, and then you repeat it. Um, what I'll do is I can sing the first. I'll sing the first two lines, and then you start in with me the second time. What number? 741. 741. <clears throat> Has anybody seen the song? A couple? Okay. Sing, amen, amen. Rejoice, amen, amen. Glory be to God. Amen, amen. Sing, amen, amen. Rejoice, amen, amen. Glory be to God. Amen, amen. And then when you go to the second part, it's um, after again, there's a pause, and then when you sing amen, amen in the second, the the fourth line you slow it down a little bit when the lord shall come again let the people sing amen amen when the lord shall come again let the people sing amen amen and then the last two is sing amen amen sing amen amen Let the people sing, amen, amen. Sing, amen, amen. Sing, amen, amen. Let the people sing, amen, amen. We'll sing it through, and then we'll have our closing prayer. Sing, amen, amen, rejoice, amen, amen, glory be to God, amen, amen, sing, amen, amen, rejoice, amen, amen, glory be to God, amen, amen, when the Lord shall come again, let the people sing, amen, amen. When the Lord shall come again, let the people sing Amen, Amen. Sing, Amen, Amen, sing, Amen, Amen. Let the people sing, Amen, Amen. Sing, Amen, Amen, sing, Amen, Amen. amen.
1: Let the people
0: sing, Amen, Amen.
1: one please. Most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this, another beautiful Lord's Day you bless us with, and thank you for the privilege we have to assemble here in your name, to sing these songs of praise that great and holy name, to come to your prayer, read from your word, and hear another lesson in your word. And thankful for the lesson we've heard tonight. Help each of us to take the things that we've learned. Help us to strengthen our faith, reading your word daily, that we might show this faith to others by our example. We live outside these walls here in our congregation. while we know that as Christians, uh, we're not promised... Uh, always having the best of circumstances. But, Father, if we continue to be faithful and follow you, we will be victorious in the end. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for those who have been absent recently and been able to recover and be back with us. Father, we know that we have so many that are still on our prayer list here, those who are recovering from surgeries. Those who are facing tests and surgeries, we ask that you please be with each of their caregivers. Please uh, continue to be with all those Bow down in sorrow, lost loved ones, and especially be with the Holt family, and especially Miss Margie at this time. And please be with the girls as they try to help her to understand uh, what's happened, and just please uh, comfort and strengthen them. Is only you can do, Father. We ask you, go with us now as we separate, and please lead guard and direct us till we meet again. These things we ask in Christ's name. Amen.